Hello and welcome to the sequel cast. The sequel cast is a show where we look at movies in a franchise, one movie at a time. We're wrapping up our look at the Back to the Future trilogy with uh, Back to the Future uh, Part 3, also known as Back to the Future 3, the one set in the wild, wild west. Uh, I'm Matt. With me is uh, Thrasher. Howdy, folks! And uh, returning as a guest from the Back to the Future 2 episode is... uh, Oliver from BTTF.com, and he's also in charge of DeLorean Time Machine Services. Oliver, welcome back Hello. to the sequel cast. Thank you, thank you. Um, now, you had mentioned last time uh, you have your DeLorean that you retrofitted to look like the DeLorean from the movie, and you got to take it to uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina, for the uh, Garab- Garbarino a commercial shoot. Garbarino, that's right. Um, they were looking to do a, a major campaign... Uh, Garbarino is a an electronics big electronics chain in, in Argentina, uh, similar to I guess what we would uh, consider like a Best Buy. Oh, store. okay, yeah. <clears throat> Just to put it into context, and uh, a big store. They wanted to shoot a commercial, uh, Back to the Future themed, with Chris Lloyd and the car, and, and uh, we were uh, fortunate enough they they found us online uh, through our website, uh, bttf.com, and they literally flew the the car. To Buenos Aires, because so the car didn't know, fly. The, the amount of time. <laughs> so it is a flying DeLorean, maybe the, the world's first uh, flying time machine. So what I was wondering about that is, uh, when I was little, I lived for two years in uh, Buenos Aires, uh, Argentina. And uh, while you were in Argentina, did you get a chance to have some steak there? Uh, we did. Oh, As great! A matter of fact, we did the, the whole you know uh, traditional uh, barbecue uh, type of uh, thing and. Had all kinds of wonderful meat. Yeah, no, Argentine steak is supposed to be some of the best in the world. And oh, yeah. uh, so, did you go to one of those restaurants where they keep on bringing different kinds of meat to your table? <clears throat> we did, uh, and uh, we were fortunate enough. The, the director of the commercial, uh, his uh, name is uh, 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 Augusto. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, he was he, he's a wonderful director. He's, he's won all kinds of uh, awards at the, the Cannes Film Festival and, and such for his work. But uh, just before we left, we were invited to his home for a traditional family Sunday uh, meal. And uh, his, his son did the, the cooking and preparation on, of the meat on the grill, and uh, all the family members were there bringing different dishes. And it was just an amazing experience for us since we had been eating out and eating, uh, you know, production food and things like that. Uh, 
we, we did get the, a nice traditional Argentinian meal. It was a little bit better than the bagels and uh, coffee on the set. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the craft services was great. Uh, oh, okay. But, uh, it, was, it was a wonderful experience, and we were very lucky, and, and that's something that, you know, the Back to the Future trilogy has, <laughs> it's a gift that, uh, you know, it's, it's given my wife and I a wonderful life experience. Sure, and uh, but on the recent uh, Blu-ray release, they have a feature about someone that built a DeLorean to look like the one from the movie, but that's someone else. I that, believe right? so. Yeah. Uh, I, I forget his name, but uh, there are many hobbyists out there, um, and uh, certainly more and more as as time goes on. Um, you know, we we built ours back in uh, 2001, and uh, since that time, you know, with the internet and all, uh, there have been a lot of uh, people contacting us, asking us, you know, how we build this or how we build that, and uh, people selling parts and pieces on eBay, and, and it's really exploded. But uh, um, I kind of I like to think that we were kind of there near the near the ground floor when it all started <clears throat> very cool um so let's start our discussion of uh back to the future part three you know this one came out in 1990 just one year after the second one because they were filmed eh, pretty much back to back uh like all the other films it's directed by bob zemeckis uh, written by uh screenplay by bob gale story by bob zemeckis and bob gale and stars pretty much the same cast except for uh, mary steenbergen is the romantic interest, and uh, I'm trying to think, uh, Oliver, did so were you in college when this one came out? Um, I must have been, I, okay. I think so, um, in Hawaii, as a matter of fact. Oh! Nice. Uh, so, do you have any memories of going to the theater to see it? Um, I, I, I do, I, you know, it was, I was really looking forward to seeing, you know, how they were going to wrap things up. I had a feeling, you know, it would be... It, I think the second one, didn't it say, it, uh, at the end, it said, to be concluded? It did, That yeah. is correct. Yep. <laughs> and, um, I, I, you know, me, just like all the other fans, were uh, excited and, and ready to see what uh, what went on. And, and it, what a payoff it was. It went in such a vastly different direction, a very different environment, a very different time period, and... Uh, uh, you know, of course, a uh, love interest shifted uh, from Marty to, you know, Doc and, and uh, <clears throat> as you say, Mary Steenburgen. And um, it's just a, a wonderful ride. I, it, to me, uh, part three is, if it isn't my first favorite, it's, it's a close second, uh, just because it's so rich in the, uh, uh, the landscape, the beautiful setting. Well, absolutely. And even though, uh, you know, preparing to watch this for the show, I, I saw this as a kid on um on videotape uh i recall i was with my sister we were dropped off at an aunt's and uncle's house and then my my family my mom and dad went with my aunt and uncle off to do something and they left me and my sister alone in this uh, house with a few movies from blockbuster and uh, one of them happened to be back to the future three and when it turned on we were like what the heck this is a western that seems kind of weird but we sort of got into it and uh Watching it now, it really struck me. I was expecting, you know, this will be like Blazing Saddles, sort of more funny. And while there's humor in it, they do kind of play a lot of elements pretty uh, pretty straight. And the acting is a bit more, uh, not quite so over the top, shall we say, as right. in some of the other films. Uh, Thrasher, when did you first see Back to the Future 3? Now, I was fortunate enough to, uh, to see this in the theaters. I believe I saw it opening weekend, but unfortunately I can't confirm that. But it was it was so awesome to see this in, in theaters. And one thing one thing that I do notice is that with with the exception of the time travel elements, this is pretty much a straight western. Uh, I, I love that I love that the the period elements are are played almost completely straight except for the parts that are obvious homages to classic westerns, like when Marty first goes into that saloon, and it's full of, like, old-fashioned, like, pe- people who used to be in a lot of westerns, like, the, yeah. like the people from Stagecoach and things like that. Right. You know, if Gabby Hayes had still been alive, I'm sure <laughs> he would have been in in that saloon. Uh, and and I think, now that I think about this, didn't this come out, because it was in the 90s, Around the time where Hollywood arbitrarily decided westerns were dead, you could never make a western ever again. This is the movie that actually got me interested in westerns. I probably would not have the appreciation that I have today for the, the western 
for the Western movie and that kind of storytelling, but it hadn't been for Back to the Future 3. It is such a love letter to the, to the golden age of Hollywood Westerns, but also the spaghetti Westerns. And, uh, you know, I think you're right about that as far as Westerns go in Hollywood at the time. I believe it was 92 or 93, uh, Clint Eastwood did Unforgiven, which was kind of a revisionist, uh, a darker take on the Western. But, um, yeah, sure, in 1990 there were few and far between, other than the Young Guns duology mm. uh, with the famous Bon Jovi okay. song. And They, they also uh, took advantage of, uh, well, an homage to the older uh, spaghetti Westerns, like you said. Uh, they filmed a lot of it uh, in... Um, uh, Monument Valley, where the old, mm. you know, the, the, is it John Ford, I believe, filmed yes. uh, many, many, many movies yep. there. Uh, John Wayne and Clint Eastwood and uh, all the great westerns were filmed out there, and it's got such beautiful vistas. Uh, it's really, really a, a place to visit if you've never been. Sure, and before we get back to Back to the Future 3, uh, you, Oliver, you, you were saying you went to college in Hawaii. Um, yep. A year ago, uh, for my honeymoon with my wife, we went to Maui, and on the plane, they showed a movie from 2003 called The Ride that is a time travel movie involving Hawaii. Uh, I, don't know if you've, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's about a surfing champion wipes out, wipes out on a killer wave and slips back in time to 1911 Hawaii on a Waikiki Beach to find a future Olympic and surfing legend, Duke Kanahana Moku. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, I've never seen it, but I'm going to have to look for it now. Okay, I'll send you an email about it. I, I don't I recall it being very cheesy, and I didn't. But I was watching it without sound. I didn't want to pay the five dollars for the special headphone adapter. <laughs> that that you know, a time travel plot could have only improved the Brady Bunch's trip to Hawaii. <laughs> you know, that that two part episode is really only worth seeing for Vincent Price. Wow, Vincent Price, I, huh? <laughs> yeah, he, he's Doctor Whitehead, the crazy anthropologist who's in a cave. Talking to tiki idols. If a surfboard had a flux capacitor bolted to the underneath side, that's probably <laughs> why it wiped out, too. It could be. No, uh, Marty, as soon as you hang 10, you'll see some <laughs> serious shit. <laughs> uh, you know, one thing about Back to the Future 3 is I always seem to think the movie begins with him driving the car in the empty drive in theater and going to the Wild West. But there's actually a bit of a bit of setup in the beginning with them going into a mine and uh, doing get, some investigating. You get the end of Back to the Future too, and then a cool kind of horror movie moment where after Doc is celebrating sending Marty back to the future, Marty shows right back up again on his doorstep. Well, yeah, that's how the second one ends: is Doc fainting, and they. No, the second one ends with the, with a the telegram from Western Union. And part three begins with a telegram from Western Union, and then Marty has to go go to Doc's house, and Doc is in a panic because Marty is back in his back in his time again. Uh, well, it's one of those, I suppose, Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I'm drawing a blank. I, I, it's so easy to get the beginnings and ends sure. confused. They just lead one to the other. One thing I do want to mention, we usually don't talk about news on the show, but it did uh, break recently that uh, Steve Jobs, uh, one of the founders of Apple, has died today. Um, yeah. He's been battling cancer for a while, so it's very sad, I know. You know, I don't, uh, the computer he's at home is a PC, but every year I've been closer to getting a Macintosh, and I like using my iPod, the touch, iPod Touch and all that stuff. And uh, Will, you use Macintosh stuff a lot, don't you? Uh, yeah, professionally, yes. Yeah, professionally. And what about you, Oliver? I'm- are you a Mac I'm or a completely, PC? Completely Mac. Uh, okay. I was fortunate enough to to be introduced to Macintoshes uh, in college um, because earlier, you know, in, in computer lab in high school, the the PCs were just uh, very difficult to work with the coding and all yes. that kind of stuff. So, uh, <laughs> uh, had it not been for Macintoshes, uh, my my whole life would have been very different. Mm. So, uh, one of these days, we're going to talk about a death that has something to do with the movie we're watching. <laughs> You know, we tend to well, do you know, that on the sequel cast, but... Uh, in, in part two, you do see, a, like, a Macintosh SE uh, in the, the window of uh, the Blaster in the Past shop. Oh, you're right! Yeah. You see an old, you know, older Macintosh uh, model, so uh, I think that's, that was kind of a nice nod to, to Macintosh and Steve's work. Right, and you're, if you're interested in technology history, there is a, uh, a TV movie on TNT called Pirates of Sin- Silicon Valley uh, about the start of Microsoft and Apple... And uh, Noah Wiley from ER played Steve Jobs, and uh, Anthony Michael Edwards played Bill Gates. It's uh, 
It's pretty amusing if you can track it down. It came out in DVD, I think, in 2005. Hmm. But um, back to Back to the Future. It can't be the sequel cast without tangents, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> and this and this tangent conversation, we're talking about Apple computers. While in this tangent, we're still on the subject of Back to the Future Three. Uh, so, I mean, um, growing up, uh, Oliver, did your family really have you watch Western movies very much? Was this a genre you were at all familiar with before seeing Back to the Future Three? Not really. Uh, uh, you know, wasn't wasn't a particular uh, genre that uh, we we followed or, or focused on. Uh, but, uh, you know, who doesn't love cowboys and Indians? Uh, sure. I think, anyway, you know, growing up as a, a boy, uh, you just kind of fall into that. I had uh, little uh, toy pistols and cap guns and holsters and hats and things like that. And uh, I think Michael J. Fox himself, when he was interviewed during the very first film, uh, they, they go through the cast and they say, if you had a real-time machine, where would you want to go? And uh I think it's on the DVDs or the Blu-rays. Michael J. Fox says, you know, I think I'd like to go back in the Old West. And, well, uh, you know, cowboys and, and things. And I don't know, but that may have inspired Bob and Bob. It could have. time to continue writing uh, for his character. It could have, you know. And uh, watching the uh, the documentary on the Blu-ray, the, they did a new one for uh, the, the Blu-ray version. What is that? I think 20th, 5th anniversary might be what that one's called. Um, they... The actors all seem to like the making of uh, Back to the Future Part Three the best. They seem to have the most fun on the set, uh, simply yeah. because westerns aren't really made anywhere. And this is one you know that had sort of a sense of humor, but still had a great respect for the genre, you know, and set design and costumes and the sort of story they were telling. And um, uh, last last September, you know, my wife and I are, are currently on a, a fifty state mission. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned this in the last. Uh, uh, show, but uh, we're we're trying to drive the DeLorean to every state, uh, all fifty states, and uh, you know just to raise awareness and, and funding for Michael J. Fox's Parkinson's Foundation. And last uh, September, we actually traveled to uh, the Monument Valley area and went down to where they they filmed those scenes in Part Three, and it was absolutely amazing. It's like you're in another world. Uh, we hired a, a Native American guide to take us down there because that's the only way you can have access because it's private land, and, you know, there are uh, Native Americans living down there. And uh, it's, you really uh, uh, sense, uh, uh, there's a sense of history and uh, uh, awe looking at the, the geography, the, the, the geology of the, the land and the rocks and all. It was, it's an amazing place. Yeah, you know, I haven't been out that way much. I've been meaning to. I think the closest thing like that I've seen as a kid is when I was very little, we took a trip to New Mexico and saw uh, Carlsbad Caverns. Oh, great caverns. Yeah, which I recall being pretty exciting. Um, but again, you know, that's not the outside, uh, the classic mountain landscapes of the Wild West. Well, it's, it's just a and uh, the spectacle, you know, the natural spectacle sure. of the land. Um, and we also traveled to uh, a place called Railtown, 1897. It's a state historic park, and that's where they filmed all of the train sequences hmm. uh, from Part nice. Three. Uh, it's 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 an amazing place, um, and they the the train they used is uh, number three. It's uh, considered the old you know movie star of uh, of the place of the museum, and uh, it was under. Uh, Back to the Future 3 was one of the last films it, it was featured in before it underwent a major renovation. And I think hmm. it was worked on for maybe like 16 years or something crazy like that, and they just brought it back to life last year. Um, after tons of work and overhaul, um, in the movie, I think the number three train, they called it number 33. Um, I believe it's 33 in, in Back to the Future Part 3. They they added a three to it. Um, <laughs> I believe that's right. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, uh, it's a beautiful old uh, uh, steam train, and uh, we were again we we brought the car, and they did kind of a fundraising and, and a, a promotional thing for the park. And um, okay, so the train is the train. the train is locomotive Sierra number no. three, and in the movie it was painted as uh, Central Pacific one thirty one. Oh, okay, that's right, 131. I, so. I need to change the number somehow. So but they kept, kept one of the, the threes in there, yeah. And, and uh, just put a one on either side, that's correct. 
Well, and but also, it's amazing. Right. And a lot of the listeners might not realize, but uh, stuff set on a train is, you know, the very first really fiction film that was popular at all was a, a short silent film called The Great Train Robbery set on a train. It would have to be. Well, <laughs> yeah, yes. Was, unless it was about people stealing a rare toy model train. Okay, Thrasher. I was just <laughs> trying to say trains are really embedded in cinema, as is the Western genre. And I don't know. I mean, they just have a lot of fun with the setting. And the other thing that struck me watching this film again is while Back to the Future 1 and 2 are really focused on a Marty McFly this is really a Doc Brown film where Marty McFly is kind of pushed to the sideline, where uh, Doc Brown gets to have a romance uh, with Clara Clayton. Clara Clayton, played by Mary Seenbergen. Thank you. And he does a really good job at toning it down as Doc Brown. And I like all the different versions of Doc Brown, whether he's screaming and shouting or whether he's trying to be goofy and romantic. But it's just nice to see you don't see an older man in a romance in a movie without it being some sort of Woody Allen thing where it's like a guy in his 60s and a girl that's 19. Or, or grumpy old men. Uh, yeah, I suppose grumpy old men, but that came later. Um, well, they definitely switch roles, I, I think, uh, in the third one. Uh, Marty's trying to get Doc to you know, straighten up and focus uh, on things and not screw up the time continuum. And Doc seems to be distracted, you know, the whole time in that uh, time period. Right, and of course, Murray Steenbergen was in the the 80s film uh, Time After Time, which right. was uh, involved with time travel and starred Malcolm McDowell, who later married Murray Steenbergen uh, and had some children with her, I believe, and then they later divorced. Um Well, she, she said that uh, she took the role because of her children... Absolutely, you must do this. You know, it's back to the future. Uh, and uh, I don't think they, they would have let her live it down if she had uh, refused. But you know, she also, uh, uh, I think, she enjoyed the cast and, uh, and the people she worked with as well. Uh, we we met her briefly once uh, last year at the the Blu-ray release in New York City. Uh, Bob Gale's uh, wife Tina introduced us, and, and uh, she was a lovely lady, She's very very natural and nice, and uh, very much like she she seems on screen. No, I think she's aged very well, and um, she's been in some comedies recently, which I thought was kind of fun to see. Uh, I think she was in one called Step Brothers, I believe, with a Will oh, Ferrell. Oh, fantastic movie. Yeah, very surreal comedy. Uh, I wouldn't know, call it surreal. It's just about two two Pagliacci's in a world full of people who take themselves too seriously. Uh, I really appreciate what uh, Alan Silvestri did with the score in this film. Of course, he did the score for all three films. But there's a real fun take on the Back to the Future theme that has a bit more Western elements incorporated into it. And um, Maladin, uh, one of our listeners uh, off our Facebook page of the sequel cast, who is uh, from Australia, mentions how he always has the piece of music stuck in his head in the movie where you see ZZ Top playing, but it's really a piece of the score playing on top of them. Whereas oh, that... That's exactly it, yes. Yes. <laughs> now we've all got it stuck in our head. Thanks. <laughs> it's a catchy riff that they got It going. is, it is. They just sort of do it over and over again. Um, Oliver, what do you think of Thomas F. Wilson as Mad Dog... Uh, Tannen. I think he really shines in this film. He, he gets to play such a, a wonderful character. Uh, you know, throughout all, all three films, he plays just such a range of and variety of characters. But uh, this one had to be uh, fun for him to play, and uh, uh, I think he really shines in it. Uh, he's a he's a really bad guy, but it's still, what a juicy role for someone. Oh, exactly. And there there's a deleted scene on the DVDs and Blu-rays in which there's like a little kid with his family. And uh, Mad Dog shoots the kid's parents right in front of the kid, and then like goes off. Ooh, that's yeah, harsh. he shoots shoots the Strickland, uh, Marshall Strickland, I guess. Oh, uh, you're right. It is Strickland. I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and that was just a little, little too heavy. A little too. too uh, <laughs> I, I would think so. Well, that's one thing I do love about Buford Mad Dog Tannen is that unlike a lot of the other Tannens we've seen. 
he is a very competent, very ruthless villain. He's still an idiot with a lot of swagger, but that doesn't slow down his villainy. I mean, he is such a threatening presence. He 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 looks like someone who would kill you for looking at him cross-eyed. Well, you know, it's it's uh, you know Biff with a gun in his hand. So yeah, he's going to be pretty uh, pretty threatening and uh, scary. Um, yeah, and it's a, it's admirable how um, Thomas F. Wilson tones it down a little bit, like Christopher Lloyd, or instead of going like uh, McFly, McFly, make like a tree and get out of here, he just. You know, it was very gruff and to the point, and uh, like Thrasher said, threatening. And um, yeah. it, it's just really fun. You don't see that many franchises and movies where a character plays, or an actor plays a character of different ages and different time periods throughout a few movies. Like, it's a very I'm, unique experience. Absolutely. He is, you know, very fortunate. I'm, I'm sure he, he understands how fortunate he was to land such a juicy role. Um, it's, it's unfortunate that... Uh, he kind of rejects the uh, the trilogy nowadays. Uh, oh, really? You know, some, Does some he? Actors, yeah, some actors embrace their characters and just kind of roll with it and, and roll with the the notoriety they've gained, you know, because of a particular character. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, Tom has uh, gone on record as, as saying that he he no longer acknowledges the trilogy as far as uh-huh. you know his, his public appearances and things like that. You won't, at least you know, to date, you won't see him. Uh, participating in any of the the anniversaries or, you know, Blu-ray commentaries and, you know, fun things like that. Uh, well, you know, maybe uh, he'll change his mind eventually. There's some actors, uh, I'm thinking of Mark Hamill, who played Luke Skywalker in Star Wars, where for a little bit there he was kind of sick of everyone going up to him and saying, like, hey, Luke, but then he sort of embraced it as he gets older, so. Adam West went through the same thing. Well, I hope that uh, the same thing happens to Tom because he's such a wonderful talent, and uh, sure. he's he's so beloved because of uh, the the roles he played in the trilogy. And if you like the Back to the Future movies and what he does in that, um, even if you don't play video games, I advise you to go to YouTube and just look up Wing Commander like three and type in Maniac, and he played a character called Maniac in some of those games where they used full motion video to film the cast doing stuff, and it's a very Biff like character that's kind of like a, a an asshole buffoon, if you will. And it, it's sort of a fun sort of spin on that same sort of sort of character, wouldn't you say, Will? Well, well, Maniac, you know, Maniac would be Biff if he had a good moral center. He, he's he's the <laughs> wild card of all the Starfighter pilots in there. He has a great sense of humor. Uh, he, he's the Joker. He's he's the guy that uh, he's the guy that's really quick with the quip and uses humor to sort of insulate himself from the stress of the war that he's fighting. But no, it's a good. It was a really good character for him. He he played this kind of fun-loving swagger really well. It was a a more much more light-hearted version of, of a kind of similar character. Oh, he's very, he's very talented, and he's he's done a diverse body of work. He's uh, voiced characters for uh, animated series like uh, Sponge, SpongeBob SquarePants, and uh, and and various. He's done various TV appearances and all. Um, so uh, well, he did. A, didn't no, he do all the different incarnations of Biff in the Back to the Future animated series? I believe so. Can't can't confirm that. I'm not. I'd have to look that up. Did you ever watch that cartoon when it came on? I did. Yeah, I did. I, I tried to watch some of it on um, on YouTube and uh, on the on the documentaries on the Blu-ray. They do mention how, as a stipulation of it being a cartoon, Bob Gale insisted that they have educational sequences, sort of before each episode, educating the viewer about the history. And in fact, they did live-action segments with Bill Nye, where he did science experiments with uh, Christopher Lloyd as Doc Brown, and that was what inspired the Bill Nye the Science Guy show. Those are pretty good. Oh, segments. that's very interesting. Yeah, it's uh, you know they haven't done an official, um, at least uh, United States uh, DVD release of the animated series, which is really odd considering all the other obscure uh, cartoons they've come out with on DVD. And I don't know if it's a licensing issue or, or, or what it is, but you think there's, there's enough fans of that series, and with the recent video game, you think people would pick that up if they ever came out with it. So you can find the episodes on YouTube if you want. It's not the most legal thing, but <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. They, they what, did the, come out on VHS. They, there yes, were, yeah, uh, on videotape, on sure. VHS, so, yeah. so maybe it's just a matter of time. I think so. Just a matter of time. That's a good uh, Back to the Future pun right there. <laughs> <laughs> Movies all about time. Uh, watching uh, Another thing um, that stuck out when I watched this is 
My heart smashed into pieces when you see the DeLorean get pummeled by the train at the end of the yeah. film. Yeah. Oh. Now, do we know if that's the re- a real DeLorean they used, or was it all models? Oh, it would have no, to it be would... a, a model for safety reasons. Well, or a full-size replica, possibly. It was it was a full size car. It was one of the production cars. Uh, they scored it and uh, you know cu- cut it up into pieces and placed explosive charges in it so that it would you know definitely break apart successfully. Uh, and I, I asked Bob. I said, uh, "How does one you know did did you rent a train to crash into this thing, or did you have to buy one, or how, how did you go about doing that?" And he said, "Well, you know." The production people, you know, got got hold of this uh, train and they just hit the car. They really, you know, ran ran over the car with it. Um, <laughs> I, I, that's I was just amazed that you know they could find a, a train owner that would you know do that. Yeah, no, so they I were think... they were quite happy with themselves. I think to to kill the car uh, for fans, it's very painful. But I think at that point in the production, they were ready to to. Uh, it was kind of a cathartic. Uh, you know, re- response for them uh, because they had had a lot of a lot of problems with the production cars. Sure. Well, you know, it's also it's also just you know it's s- symbolic. You know, this is the last movie in the trilogy. Yeah. The machine that got everybody into trouble is is no more. Just as the movie ends, the DeLorean ends. But Back to the Future Three is is full of symbolism like that, such as uh, towards the end of the movie when uh, Clara leaves Doc and is riding on the train. On the train is a salesman, and what that salesman sells is barbed wire. And that's symbolic of the end of the movie, but it's also symbolic of the end of the period we, we know now as the Wild Wild West, uh, because barbed wire is what ended the cattle drives and ended the big herds and and ended the period of cowboys. It's, it's, what, it's, what clo- it's the technological innovation that ushered in the end of the Wild West and the end of the American frontier. And you could also say the same thing about the cavalry uh, going after the Indians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Big big symbolism there, you know, with the, the pursuing and subduing the uh, the big tribe that Marty almost runs into when he goes back into that time. And, and I have to admit, uh, watching the end of this, I don't often get uh, misty-eyed as I'm watching a film. But at the end, when Doc steps out of the awesome-looking uh, future oh, time, time travel, yeah, after the time train, and he says, "The future is what you make of it." I don't know. Like, I was just really touched by that. There was a lot of heart between those characters, and also the scene earlier in the film where Marty goes up to Doc Brown in the past, and he's like, "Oh, Marty, I don't expect you to to come." Okay, that's an awful imitation. I'm not going to continue with that. <laughs> but he says, <laughs> "Leave that to me." That sounds like Mickey from Rocky or something. You can do it, Rocky. Uh, but but he says to to Marty, like, you know, I didn't expect you to be here, but it's great to see you again, old friend. And there's a lot of uh, – Christopher Lloyd does such a good job of delivering dialogue that in the hand of other actors could be cheesy. But it's with a lot of heart, and uh, you feel that if you're a fan of the series. You know, it's something – if I could – something – if I could just bring it up, something that has always kind of bothered me about the end of this movie. Yes. When, when Doc says – your your future hasn't been written, Marty. No one's has. I really feel that that subverts most of the Back to <laughs> the Future trilogy. That one line. Because not only is Doc flippantly using time travel by building a f- giant flying train and zipping across the space-time continuum with a whole family, but he also invalidates their time travel to the future to save Marty's kids. Because uh, really, you know, because now when you think about it, Doc yeah. Brown doesn't need to take Marty to the future to save his kids. He just needs to tell Marty, "Oh, Marty, you're going to have kids. Don't let your son get involved with with Biff's kid." Like that's all. Yeah, that, that would be a boring movie, though. So, uh... oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we get a good trilogy out of it. It's just that 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 <laughs> moment, I just feel invalidates a lot of stuff that I was pretty invested in at that point. It's it's awfully inspiring though. We just uh, did an, a special appearance for a young couple that uh, just got married this past weekend. Oh, okay. uh, they, the, they're both big fans of Back to the Future, and they thought it would be really cool if they got married and uh, were you know exited the church with everybody throwing rice and, and cheering, and they 
were to climb into the time machine Whoa. and drive off to the reception. <laughs> so that's, uh, you know, that was their great. dream, and, and we heard that happen for them. And um, I, my favorite quote from the movie is the one we are just talking about. Uh, Doc says, uh, you know, your future hasn't been written yet. No one's has. Your future is whatever you make it, so make it a good one, both of you. And I gave them that quote on an old, you know, Western Union telegram wow. for them to keep as a as a keepsake. And I I told them I said it's really true. Um, you know, you guys have your whole future ahead of you, and it's up to you to you know you can do whatever you want, make it a great future. Um, and you know, I, I think that that meant something to them. Now, the church, when they got married, is that the same church where Biff uh, married Lorraine Baines McFly in the ultimate 1985? <laughs> <laughs> the, the tiny chapel thing or the chapel? No. This was a, a really cool uh, church down uh, in uh, northern Georgia on Tybee Island. It was a, a beautiful setting. Oh, we've all been down there. Oh, yes. No, Will and I uh, graduated from uh, Savannah College of Art and Design in Savannah, Georgia, which uh, is not too far from Tybee. Oh, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's right in the same area. It's a small world. Yep, it's a small world after all. But um, <laughs> uh, sorry, you're in violation of the copyrights of the Disney Corporation. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to talk more about the Back to the Future franchise um, as a whole, has anyone played any Back to the Future video games? Just the shitty Back to the Future two and three game for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, Oliver. I haven't played that one, but I did start the uh, the latest game that came out from uh, Telltale Games, and it's a, it's a lot of fun. But I'm not really a a video game you know player. I'm just a fan of Back to the Future, so it's taken me a little while to get through all the. Uh, I think it's five episodes. Yeah, you know, I've been playing that one, and I played a lot of games like that as a kid, and uh, those adventure games where you got to find the key to open the door and so forth. And even with the help function in the game, I still can't understand what to do half the time. <laughs> I've gotten near to the end of episode two out of the five episodes, and uh, you know the the people that made the game they have a great love for the franchise at Telltale Games. They do right. they have a nice graphic look to things, and they even got Christopher Lloyd to return as Doc Brown. They have a fantastic sound alike as a uh, Marty McFly, and even Michael J. Fox himself a cameo is doing some voiceover work in the fifth and final chapter of the five part oh, episodic game. And that's available. And Claudia, and Claudia Wells. Claudia Wells, right, yeah, who played uh, Jennifer in the first movie. Um, mm-hmm. It has a part in uh, the third episode, I believe. So, you know, you, you can get that um, through Steam on the PC or uh, Macintosh, or you can even get it for the iPad and uh, PlayStation 3. So, uh, that's enough of a plug for them, I suppose. Um <laughs> So why don't they we? Were, they actually, uh, they actually had a booth at the uh, San Diego Comic Con uh, this this past, uh, whenever it was, uh, what a, a couple of months ago. Um, yeah. In San Diego, they had a, a booth, and uh, Claudia made an appearance, as did uh, the voice actor for uh, Marty. I think his name's uh, AJ Lus- Luscow. I think that's right. And the way he got the part is he just left a voicemail. Uh, on the president of Telltale Games uh, answering machine and did his Marty McFly impression. He's like, I heard you're doing a Back to the Future game. Um, you know, sounded what? better. <laughs> <laughs> sounded better than that. Just voiced Marty McFly <laughs> I've ever heard. I'll, hey, uh, I, hear, I hear you guys are doing a Back to the Future game. That's heavy. Uh, a- anyway, if you play the game, he does a much That's better heavy. job than the past two imitations you just heard. Um... Why don't we take a look at the Back to the Future trilogy we've been discussing in these past few episodes. And we're each going to go around and give a rating to um, each movie uh, one at a time uh, out of five stars, five stars being the most. So one for each of the movies and then one for the whole trilogy as a whole with some brief explanations why, I think, to round up this Back to the Future discussion. Um, wow. So I, I know that's a tall thing to, to spring on you, Oliver. <laughs> but um, if you're going to give all five stars, that's fine too. So that, that'd be the easy way. I'd, I, I'd have to start with the first, uh, the original movie, yeah. giving it five stars, just because uh, you know it's nothing like your first kiss, and uh, that was the first in the original film. So um, that's that's the one I fell in love with. Um, the part two, um, probably give it uh, 
three stars. Um, and, and I don't think uh, Bob Gale would disagree with me uh, very much because they had a lot of things they had to kind of work through in order to, uh, you know, get to the third film. A lot of, you know, a lot of logistical kind of things they had to generate. And, and uh, uh, I, f- I forget what they uh, call it in the, in the business. Uh, but uh, a lot of gravel to, to shovel just to, you know, get, get to where they were going. Uh, and part three, um, I, I guess I'd uh, rate it uh, four and a half stars because uh, it just brought the trilogy home and it was a, a really fun ride. And all three of them together, I don't know. I guess I'd have to just give them five stars because it's uh, one of the best trilogies I've ever seen uh, to date, and it's held up so well over the years. Fantastic. Uh, Thrasher, what's your take? Uh, I'm going to say Back to the Future, five stars. Uh, Back to the Future, two, four stars. I I like Back to the Future, too. I like the dark place that it goes to. Uh, my only real, my The only real flaw I see in Back to the Future, too, is just that uh, they they don't know what to do with Jennifer, and there is a lot going on. There's probably about a movie and a half's worth of stuff going on crammed into that movie, and as a result, <laughs> it, it does get a bit a, a bit more intense and, and not in a good way. Uh, and then for Back Back to the Future Three, it has such a good place in my heart. I'm gonna have to say five stars. Uh, wow! But not th- those stars are slightly smaller than the stars I gave to the original Back to the Future, but it's still five stars. And as far as a trilogy goes, pardon? Not as shiny. No, well, they're five. They're sheriff stars. They're five sheriff stars. <laughs> That's pretty good. Five silver stars. None of that tin crap. Silver stars. Uh, and then, uh, as far as the trilogy goes, it's a five star trilogy. It is. It is an impressive body of work. And it's also, and, and this is something I believe it was Leonard Moulton said in a documentary of the, on Bravo, back when Bravo was a network about something, namely art and culture. Uh, this was in the before time and the long, long ago. Uh, there was a there was a documentary, and they were just, and it was a documentary, of, if I recall correctly, about sequels. And Leonard Moulton was talking about he he, he was was praising the Back to the Future trilogy. Because it's it's the perfect models of sequels, but it's also subversive for the sequel. Because when it comes down to it, every movie is, in essence, the same story. They just put it in a different time period. They, they keep giving you the same movie, but keep telling the story so well and in such interesting different ways that you never you don't notice that until you really study the films. You really hit upon something there, Thrasher, because that sort of thing with sequels in general is you're trying to give uh, the audience so much of what they like of the first film. You're trying to give them the same movie, but bigger and louder. Right, but in a slightly different package. And, um, you know, some sequels that disguise it better than others, but I think we can say without a doubt that Back to the Future, uh, I think, does it a lot better than others. Well, Back to the Future doesn't hide it, and that's why you don't notice it at first. Sure, and you know, it's not, you know, the Back to the Future trilogy compared to, uh, oh hell, like Rambo 1, 2, 3, and 4. <laughs> There's differences between how those sequels tell sort of a similar story, but one is a little bit more subtle than the other. And uh, Rambo is a subtle series of movies. Now, um, okay, so I'm going to stop making bad jokes and give my ratings on Back to the Future. Uh <laughs> Back to the Future 1, uh, I'd have to give 5 out of 5 stars. I think it's a true classic. I think it really holds up. It is nostalgic on two levels, both for people you know that are nostalgic about the 80s, but also their parents who are nostalgic about the 50s. Back to the Future 2, I think I'd have to give it um, 2.5. Even though I love a lot of the characters, it is such a... Narratively, I, I think I still need to watch it a few more times to totally grasp what's going on and to totally appreciate it. Didn't you read Doc's chart? I did read Doc's chart. I understand what an alternate uh, 1985A is. That's not my problem. It, it it just feels like I'm watching four short films smashed into one movie. Uh, Back to the Future 3, I would give four stars out of five stars. I think it has a lot of heart, returns a lot to what made the first film uh, work. And... Um, 
ends ends on a high note. I, I think it's classy. They didn't try and you know kind of pull Indiana Jones and try and do a Back to the Future four. Um, although you know they might have been tempted to do that at some point. You know anything, Oliver? Did they ever really have plans for a fourth one? Bob Bob Gale is adamant that you know there will there are no plans for a fourth uh, and uh, never will be if if you know he has anything to say about it. I think both Bobs agree. Uh, on that account, they they even wore T-shirts at the uh, a showing at the uh, Cinerama Dome in uh, Hollywood. They have a, they had a back to back to back showing uh, years ago, and they all wore T-shirts that said uh, "Back to the Future 4 and it had a big uh, no symbol, you know, marked across <laughs> it. That's so, pretty great. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure he gets tired of the question uh, and, and tired of saying no, but I think they found uh, creative ways to continue. Uh, you know the, uh, our love for the characters, and and continue you know breathing new life into them, uh, like you know through the video games that uh, yep. Bob Gale you know had some uh, help in writing, and uh, you know to the cartoon, the rides. I mean, it's it's had uh, hasn't had nine lives yet, but uh, it's it's certainly had many. Right, and overall, I think I'd give the series um, four and a half out of five stars. I think it's. It's almost perfect. The number two takes it, bumps it down half a star for me overall. But it's a, it's a wonderful series, and unlike many movies we've covered on the sequel cast, one that holds up when you watch it uh, a second time, or third, or a fourth, or, or a third, fifth. or a fourth, or exactly, and so on and so on ad infinitum. I, I don't know how well other movies and other sequels work uh, worldwide, but you know I, I, I know that in Argentina. Uh, there are some incredible fans of the trilogy, um, and uh, I, I think it, it probably uh, would be the, you know, the same uh, anywhere you go in the, in, the, in the world. Sure, no, it's something I think everyone kind of wonders, uh, going back to the first Back to the Future film, what were my parents like? Were they really ever teenagers? Did they, you know, do they have the same problems I had as a teenager? Did you know, and it, it's it's such a universal thing to start a, a series on. Exactly, Just, exactly. It's relatable. It's it, relatable. It's you know? exactly it. Uh, like they said, you know, it's, it's not really a science fiction movie. It, it has elements no. of science fiction, but they like said the first movie had very few special effects sequences in it at all. I think just the time um, travel sequences, really. Yeah, very very limited. And because uh, the first Back to the Future is what um, Bob Zemeckis made after Who Framed Roger Rabbit. No, I'm sorry. That was no. the second one he made after Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I messed that up. So, Yeah, I think uh, Roger Rabbit was happening during part two. Okay. Or, or, or perhaps, you know, during part three. They were happening concurrently, I believe. Well, that sounds right because Roger Rabbit had such a long production time with all the animation, all the right things they did in that film. Um, Bob Gale, Bob Gale would be on the set, uh, kind of managing things in Back to the Future World, while Zemeckis would fly back and forth between the two productions. Wow, I, I just in can't. his flying DeLorean. <laughs> yes, in his DeLorean. <laughs> well. Uh, any closing things you want to say about uh, Back to the Future 3, Oliver, or about uh, BTTF.com? Oh, well, uh, like I said, uh, go to BTTF.com if you want to know uh, what's what's going on in the world of Back to the Future, they, they, uh, concerning the cast, the crew, uh, the video games, the shoes from uh, you know Nike, just about any, any kind of news involving the trilogy or the people um, that have something to do with it is, is on the website. Uh, they've got a really cool uh, store, uh, bttf.net, that has any kind of merchandise and collectibles uh, involved in the trilogy that you could ever want. It's just a nice resource. It's not a not a, a commercial pitch. Um, and um, if you want to support the Michael J. Fox Foundation, you can go to uh, uh, org, or you, if you want to follow us in our DeLorean time machine travels, you can go to tothefuture.org. Um, and I guess that pretty much is it. What's the coolest piece of Back to the Future merchandise you've seen recently, uh, not counting the uh, Nike shoes, uh, Back to the Future 2 shoes that were up for charity? 
Oh, wow. Merchandise or uh, just pieces? Um, Uh, How about one of each? Well, at the San Diego Comic-Con, our our good friend Desi DeSantos uh, had an incredible display of screen-used props from the, the all three films. Oh, okay. And cool. uh, maybe one of the rarest items, they were all very rare because they're all you know kind of one-of-a-kind screen-used items, but uh, it was Doc's silver glasses. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, his futuristic glasses. And, huh. and, of course, the hoverboards are cool. People, Everybody loves the hoverboards, and they were there. I got to hold one of those in my very hands, and that was exciting. But uh, um, as far as merchandise goes that you can pick up, um, I got to tell you, uh, Japan uh, has the greatest array of uh, souvenirs you could ever imagine. Hmm. Um, we we went to ride the ride in Japan, and the gift shop is incredible. Wow! It's huge okay, and, it, and it's all Back to the Future stuff. There's no, you know, Fast and Furious junk uh, and you know <laughs> other things. No Simpsons junk. <laughs> yeah. in there. It's all Back to the Future. They even have Back to the Future candy. They have cookies. Wow! Uh, back to the Future cookies. Uh, anything you can imagine, because they, they love the trilogy over there, and Universal's wise and, and uh, you know, promotes it properly. Well, actually, speaking of uh, Back to the Future rides and The Simpsons, in the Simpson Amusement Park ride, there's a video that plays where you're waiting in line, and it has Professor Frank traveling back in time in a DeLorean and meeting Doc Brown, who is played by Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> It's a fantastic bit of animation involving time paradoxes. Does he kill the dog? Does he drive over him or something? No, he... he, um, uh, Something has disrupted the space-time continuum, and the building that's supposed to be like the Doc Brown Institute for time travel is instead a Crust the Clown amusement park. So Professor Frank travels back in time to find out what happened, and when the DeLorean appear, and so Doc, so there's Doc Brown with this guy, and Doc Brown is about to sign the paper that leases him the building to found the institute, and the DeLorean pops out of the time warp, going 85 miles per hour, and runs over the lawyer, so that Doc oh. Brown can't <laughs> sign the deed, and so Krusty swoops in and seizes the property. Wow. Since there's no authority that can like sell it or lease it or something like that, so Professor Frank is responsible for undo for changing the timeline. And uh, Christopher Lloyd or Doc Brown gives him a uh, speech about time paradoxes and temporal distortions and then hmm. all the other things in the true Doc Brown fashion. Perfect, perfect. That that reminds me, you know, the DeLorean going such a speed and crashing into things. Uh, when the DeLorean in part one goes back in time and he hits the the lightning rod at just the right moment and everything and he's going 88 miles an hour i figure by the time he hits that movie theater at the end of the street yeah which is only a few you know what 100 yards or something beyond the the lightning wire i figure he's going 90 maybe 95 miles an hour and i always wondered he crashed into this building going 90 miles an hour scott free came out of the, the the delorean still running he just throws it in reverse, backs it out of the movie lobby, I guess. There's probably <laughs> raisinets all over the dashboard. Um, and, and he pulls you know, pulls up to the street to check things out. There's not a single dent on, on the DeLorean either. How does he how did he survive that? Uh, I think I think it's, uh, when, when you tra- when you travel through time, uh, to to compensate for your your relativistic velocity, you can often come out of the time warp with less forward momentum than with which you entered the time warp. Uh, so that's so he wasn't actually going that fast. Uh, as far as why the DeLorean is not dented, uh, those strips, those kind of like that piping that's around the, the DeLorean, those that's actually super conductive. But it is also super conductive of kinetic energy. So the force of the impact is actually instantaneously distributed across the entire surface of the DeLorean. That's why they call them flux dispersal coils. They disperse the energy, right? Yep, exactly. Well, there you go. See, I would have thought that um, Marty and Doc would have strapped Einstein to the front of the DeLorean to absorb the shock of the blow. No, no, because he would freeze. Because remember, you come out of the time warp with a layer of frost. Well, he'd so freeze. Would... He'd freeze and then shatter. It would still absorb some of the force. No, not not nearly as well. 
Okay, so I think on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode of the sequel cast in Back to the Future 3. <laughs> on the canine uh, aside? On the, on the, yeah, on the frozen canine aside. Uh, Oliver, uh, thanks very much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me on. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, we'll send you a link when the show's ready. Wonderful. And, uh, have a good evening. Thank you. Yep. Good night. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, Thrasher. Uh, that went well, I thought. It was pretty yeah. good, yes. No, a lot... You know, not so, not so much on part three, but we discussed the series as a whole, which I thought was very nice. Well, you know, we probably could have done spinoffs. Well, uh, I, didn't even t- I didn't even get a chance. Based on the cartoon, right? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was based on the cartoon. Original story, but all the tellings of episodes of the show have a lot of potential. That is kind of frustrating. Um, they even did a comic book of Mad TV when Mad TV started. That was just the Mad TV movie parodies done as comic book form, where they did screen captures of the different shots from the TV show. Fortunate. I think that uh, was they... like that was like a one issue special when Mad TV first started in the uh, series. Yeah, um, the late nineties. Um, one thing about the Harvey comic book: all, all the characters and. First two issues of that comic book back in the day. Cool. Uh, I, you know, why don't we mention the next series of movies we're doing on the sequel cast? Oh yes. And I've announced this on the Facebook page already. And uh, speaking of which, sequel cast. If you go to sequelcast.com, is our website. You can check out all the old episodes there. The iTunes feed, um, as of October fifth, twenty eleven, still isn't working. I got to get back to Apple on that and figure out why that is because I've submitted all the correct information over again. Well, they are in more. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, y- you know, I, uh, Apple is uh, eye dead for the moment, I suppose. Oh, wow. So, that's Too soon? Too soon? Maybe. No, not too soon. In poor you know, taste. You, sure. You want to laugh. Dead. Especially the real. Yeah. It's uh, Apple's blue screen of death, I guess. No, you're thinking of... Uh, you're thinking... <laughs> Sure. Um, so, uh, if you go to SequelCast.com and you like the show, I'd uh, implore you to... we got a donate button on the side. If you want to send a few dollars our way, it'll go towards uh, me paying the hosting fees for the, the show. Because it isn't exactly free to make this. It doesn't cost a lot, but it costs a little. It'd be nice to cover that with some uh, listener donations. And if you know you like Amazon.com, if you go to our website and click on one of our links for different movies and things, you don't even have to buy the movie necessarily, but um, whatever you get on Amazon will go to us if you just click on one of our links at SequelCast.com. And if you go to Facebook and look up SequelCast, that's uh, the number one place to go to to check out older episodes and uh, just talk with us about the show. We've had real fun discussions on that site lately. And... Um, Anything you want to add about the website, Will? Do you think it looks um, a bit... Do you think the design no, looks a bit crowded? Nothing particularly I'd like to add about the website. Set up a blog on there. I would gladly contribute to that. Mm. It just occurred to me the one thing I really wanted to comment on that I didn't get a chance to was when Marty first travels back to the Old West, the Roy Rogers singing cowboy outfit that uh, Don Brown dresses him in. It is pretty ridiculous, and other characters point that out to him. Uh, Looks like he got that outfit off a of dead Johnny. <laughs> good old-fashioned old western racism, but but yeah, and like but but and yet it's still another tribute to the classic western, the Roy Rogers singing cowboy uh, western. Yeah, with all the tassels and uh, the hideous colors and everything. Rhinestones, like a rhinestone cowboy. A- atom symbols on it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, we could forget the atom symbols. Atom. Yes, I pronounce it Atom. Atom. Up and Atom. I liked listening to the 80s group Atom Ant. Oh, wait. That's Atom Ant. Okay. Um, so, the next series we're doing on Sequel Cast is the Die Hard Quadrilogy, even though they're oh. in the process of filming Part 5. What, they're doing a Part 5? They are. It's in the oh, works. Wow. It hasn't started filming yet. They got a script. They got a director. So, they're all gearing up to go. Um, whether it's going to have the, the Macintosh dude or uh, his daughter in it as an older girl again, I don't know. But um, anyway, we're talking about Die Hard 1 through 4, and uh, we're in the process of getting guests to be uh, on those show, on some of those shows at least. So be prepared for that. You know, that's when people have demanded since uh, the sequel cast 
started and uh, will I know you've been talking about doing Die Hard since we started the show. Yeah, I really I really feel like we've put it on long enough and you know the the first I I I really do love the first Die Hard. It's just it's a great example. I'll I'll say this for when we do it. It's just a great example of film storytelling. I have not seen any of the sequels. So this is going to be a very interesting time for me. Are you going to be able to rent the sequels okay? Yes, I I actually checked. I I okay. will have access to all the sequels. Excellent. That's a, that's great. No, it'll be interesting to see um you know I think they handle it through the sequels. The action movies, you know, don't have as much um baggage as far as plot and character to carry from movie to movie. But um you know, before Die Hard, Bruce Willis was a uh, a comedy actor in uh, things like Moonlighting. What, what was his fucking TV show? Thank you, Moonlighting. Moonlighting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so in the original a classic, in the original trailers for Die Hard, they didn't even say who the star was. They had all these obscure close-ups and things because they didn't want people in the audience to laugh. It would be like if uh, Seth Rogen starred in Jurassic Park Four. Don't you mean it would be like if Seth Rogen starred in The Green Hornet? Um, jeez. That's a totally separate discussion. (laughs) And and I have not seen the Green Hornet movie yet. No, Uh, it's okay. Neither have I. Okay. So, uh, again, website is sequelcast.com or go to facebook.com and search uh, sequelcast. So, until next time for the sequelcast, uh, this is Matt. And this is Thrasher. Uh, saying, I guess we've got to bring this back again. We finally went back in time. No, uh... Okay, so at the same time, let's say... We can shoot the ticks off a dog's back at uh, <laughs> 30 meters. Yeah, let's say that in a southern accent. Okay, one, two, three. We can, we can shoot, shoot the, the ticks, ticks off a dog's, dog's back, back in 30, 30 meters. meters. Okay, bye. Good night. <laughs> Marty, you gotta go back to the sequel cast at sequelcast.com. <laughs> Boom! Okay, good night, Will. Good night, man. Bye, that was fun.